Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world joining us. Thank you so much for being here at USA Global TV and radio. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck. I'm the president, founder, and chief listening officer here at our network. Our show today is Dream Believers, and we hope that you will leave this program with a sense of curiosity to go out and explore and learn more. Let's welcome the star of our show, Sarah Gillian. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Dr. Jacqueline. Nice to be here again. Nice to have you back with us. And I'm really digging this background that we have. I don't know. The more I look at (laughs) it, I feel feel like we're transported away somewhere, don't you? I know. (laughs) It's very spacey. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. And, And thanks so much for coming up with the title of the show as well. I, I truly think it's important that we all have dreams and we believe that they can come true and we make them come true. That's where the big absolutely. difference is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's like the premise of it is, you know, to stick with your dreams and believe in yourself and your dreams and make them follow through. And, and a lot of people, they do stick with their dreams and they do follow through and they do come true. Exactly. And you're one of those people. And we've got a special guest backstage who's going to share his story. Before we bring him out, Sarah Gillian, I'm going to spotlight you. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You are an actress. You're an author. You're a social media influencer. I mean, what you do in social media in and of itself is a full-time job. (laughs) Tell us more. Oh, I do have a lot of fun on social media. I like making those little videos. I I make them on... um, Twitter, <laughs> not Twitter, um, TikTok, and um, and then I just send them out to all different sites uh, promoting whatever I'm doing at the time, and uh, I do have a lot of fun doing it, adding music that I like and and a little visual, and, um, and the editing is so much fun, and um, and then just throwing them on social media and seeing, you know, you either don't want to see them or you do they're there (laughs) and they're fun so i'm doing that but um on top of that i'm doing a lot of auditioning and uh recently uh signed with um tnn uh model and talent agency and uh they've sent me out to many many auditions in the last little while so that's kind of fun and uh, the opportunities are there, and that's great. So I'm looking forward to hearing back from some of those people, hopefully, <laughs> and um, more to in the future. Fabulous. So I have a question for you before we bring out Motas, which is, how do you keep yourself mentally engaged every time you go for an audition because there's a lot of pressure right and, and you want to get the role and then there's that suspense that time where you audition and then you have to wait so how do you keep yourself mentally engaged during that time I I, I really think that I 
I just uh, stay myself and stay centered and uh, just be myself. So what, cause whatever, whyever I'm there is because they want maybe myself. So I focus on staying myself. <laughs> That's all I could say, really. All right. Thank you so much. So you've brought us another great guest and he's actually joining us from Dubai. And uh, I've always had a dream of going there. One of our show hosts, uh, Katrina Valenti, she's also in Dubai. So this gentleman is a an author, a storyteller, and a filmmaker. And his name is Motaz H. Matar. Let's welcome him to the show. Yes. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you. How'd I do on your name? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So we're talking today about dreams, believing in dreams, and then having a curiosity maybe to come up with some new dreams. Tell us about one of your dreams that you've made come true. Well, um, I don't know if there's like, uh, you know, there's always many dreams, but uh, um, they're always, you know, in, in the process or in, in progress. But, you know, some maybe one of my dreams, which uh, I'm still making, you know, I'm still working on, is basically working on projects that I love, and you know, and breaking the fear of, you know, telling, writing stories and self-publishing books because I've had that, you know, um, roadblock or obstacle for a long time, and a couple of years ago I just decided to, you know, let go and share my work and my books with people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, there's, maybe I'm someone who has many dreams, but, you know, just the fact that I can share my work with people is actually uh, exciting and, and inspiring and motivating. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is that you were keeping your work close to you as opposed to putting it out to the world for them to enjoy? Yeah, um, you know, because my background is filmmaking and, you know, for many, many years, we always thought about the process of making films and it always involves a lot of people and a lot of money and so on. But, uh, um, you know, we, we think about actually, uh, you know, storytellers or basically filmmakers as dream sellers. And, you know, when you're talking to people or when you're trying to make films or projects, it's not tangible. It's not something that you can actually hold on to, you know. So, you know, during my time in Germany where I was doing my um, master's in storytelling, I was like, what if I change that? What if I can actually have something tangible that people can actually, you know, buy or they can actually, per you know, purchase or they can actually. So the dreams are not just, you know, ink on paper. And then I started kind of self-publishing, writing books. And it took me a while to break that fear, you know, to just believe that I, I could actually do it. So uh, it was a kind of a breakthrough for me. <laughs> yeah. I Congratulations. I have a question. Um, did you work with pigeons? Um, <laughs> I had, I had, that's interesting. Um, I had that experience in my childhood where, you know, we were, when I was in Jordan, that I used to see the pigeons always flying, you know, over the rooftops, which was very romantic. And when I was developing you know, my uh, master's project in Germany, uh, the idea came to me uh, when I was standing, you know, by the train tracks in Berlin and 
you know, I kind of remember that visual, that image from my childhood that pigeons are, um, you know, they're part of our culture, the Arab culture, where I come from. So I kind of started developing, and I knew pigeon herders, I knew pigeon whisperers, uh, like people who were actually, their religion is actually, you know, um, flying birds. Uh, but I never was a pigeon herder or pigeon whisperer myself, no. <laughs> but I know something about them. Yeah, I find it fascinating that you you took that element and, and sort of built on that because I do find pigeons to be an interesting animal, an interesting bird. I think they're underestimated and a lot of people don't like them, but I do. And it's interesting yeah. that you, <laughs> you had that... Um, yeah yeah um yeah they're very interesting especially the the stray pigeons are usually stinky and dirty <laughs> so people don't they don't you know they don't associate something fancy with <laughs> yeah and even actually you know what sparked the pigeon whisperer story for me is actually you know in the arab culture on the you know in the levant region which is mainly jordan you know uh, Syria, Lebanon, uh, the, they consider pigeon herders as thieves. They don't actually, their confession in the, in, or their testimonial in court is not accepted because they're actually considered thieves because they steal pigeons uh, in other, you know, pigeons from other pigeon herders from the sky. So you, they're actually considered liars and thieves. So that kind of, you know, kind of started this discussion of you know what if i have a character who's actually a pigeon herder that you know he's actually an underdog or he's a pigeon herder who's actually outcast in his society yeah so, yeah. yeah well and 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 i think that people t here in in north america too the people that go out and feed the pigeons people are like oh gosh why are you feeding the yeah. pigeons and they get a bad rap too yeah, you know, and, I, and I have a balcony, and I, I sometimes feed the pigeons. And I was told, "Don't feed the pigeons." <laughs> but I have a pet, couple of pets that come. <laughs> they come back all the time. Two of them, and uh, and one of them sleeps on a lamppost that I have outside, and uh, they're adorable. I, and there's just yep. like two of them that always they're always coming. I go outside on my my balcony and out they come like they'll see me i don't know where they they are they just come and it's so cute <laughs> why, why do you think people have this, yeah why do you think people have the stereotype if I, like why do you think maybe stereotype why do they why are they like Associated with dirt, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Well, I'll just add, uh, we're here on an island and there are pigeons everywhere. And we have two pigeons who they come back all the time. And they actually you have live them too? We have them too. And they, pigeons have a bad rap here because there's the beach is about four blocks away and people will feed the pigeons and then the pigeons are sharing their pigeon poo all over everyone. Yeah. People don't necessarily like yeah. it. So yeah. <laughs> there are people like, don't feed the pigeons. In fact, <laughs> one of, uh, something I saw that was really unusual is this gentleman has a hawk and he has the hawk on a, a leash and he actually stands by the various restaurants with the hawk wow. so that the pigeons won't come 
come by. So you know, it's interesting because you're a storyteller, right? And uh, and I think it's interesting. We're starting a story, the three of us together right now. But yeah. Motaz, what would you say it, it takes to be a master storyteller? Mm, yeah, a very good question. Um, I, I would say maybe the first thing is resilience, is to actually... Uh, be resilient and, and practice your craft and, uh, you know, to actually keep doing it. Uh, of course, you have to know the basics, you know, go back to the basics of, you know, how to develop a story and so on. But I think most people, from my experience, are scared to um, to start writing or actually tell stories is because they're scared of what people will think of their writings or their work or their stories. They always think, what if my story is bad? What if my work is, you know, uh, what if people don't like it? What if I'm judged? What if people say this or that? And I think the first step um, is to break that fear that people have, you know, if they don't, if they don't, you know, write something or tell a great story. And what, you know, for example, a lot of people, what they don't realize is there's a lot of, you know, uh, grit and a lot of grinding kind of behind the scenes of so many attempts and so many, you know, uh, a lot of trial and error to actually come up with, you know, something that is considered decent enough. And so many drafts of, you know, of stories or, you know, books or notebooks that, you know, people write uh, in order to get, because nobody's going to be a great writer. I don't think there's anything such as a great storyteller or a great writer. But I think there is, you know, the practice of the craft that people are actually doing over and over and over again to master their craft or reach a point where they feel like, oh, you know what? I think I'm good enough. I think I can do this um, rather than, no, I'm not going to start. I'm just going to step back and, I'm, you know, I'm not a good storyteller. Or I'm not a good writer. Um, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it didn't like. <laughs> using faith almost. Yeah in your ability yeah exactly yeah yeah definitely and you interestingly enough actually have a master's degree in serial storytelling right yeah i have two master's degrees one one in film and one in you know basically serial storytelling which is mainly writing screenwriting for tv drama interesting well congratulations on that and a question i have for for both of you one of the books that I published, I noticed that I got a rating of three from someone. And I was like, three? What do they mean by giving me a three? And then, of course, there's no comment. There's just the rating of three. And it really kind of bothered me. So when we're talking about putting ourselves out there, that doesn't mean that we're going to be well received, right? Someone thought that my book was average, I guess. So it, yeah. it kind of like, it's a little stab that it's like, well, I, I, I can't be for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's it, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. You have to learn to not be take it personally and just keep going because you can't make everybody happy and and sometimes you have to think about why that person rated you like that. It could have been a jealousy thing and then, you know, if you think like that, then it just makes you accept it. It, you don't know why they did that or said that. They might have had a bad yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. 
Motas, did you want to comment about that, the, the need for approval? Yeah, I think we're all seeking validation in one way or the other. We always seek validation from our family, from our culture, from our friends, whatever. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to seek approval from people, I think even from our closest ones, I think I, I don't I don't want to say we're not going to get it, but I don't think that's a driving force to, you know, to the work that we're doing, because I tend to think, you know, about if I'm doing something that people don't like, it doesn't necessarily mean that the work is not good enough. I think it could be good or it could be, you know, mediocre, it could be great. But if it if it's not received, well received, it just means that Maybe the work is not for these people or the work is didn't land the right audience. It just doesn't mean that my work, you know, is I'm, I'm an awful director. I'm an awful, awful storyteller. I know that I'm going to you know work on my craft. I always try my best to make my, um, you know, my work the best way it can be. But if, if people don't, you know, um, receive the work, then then maybe it's not for them. Like, for example... We did a film in 2017 uh, called Slingshot. It's a feature film that we shot in seven days. Uh, usually, you know, you, you, in films you shoot like three, four pages a day. We were shooting like 15 pages because we wanted to compress uh, the film in like, uh, you know, we wanted to shoot 75 pages in seven days. Anyway, so we did the film. Uh, you know, we were so excited. We spent a lot of money. We spent two years making it and so on. And the film you know was released at a time where the industry was disrupted there was a lot of like you know the video in demand and the film festivals you know maybe we're not focusing on independent films and but you know i could have said to myself you know what i'm 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 a bad filmmaker i'm a bad storyteller i'm a bad director this film is didn't do well so i'm just gonna you know shut myself down and and stop doing what i'm doing but actually i took this as an incentive and continued you know at least tried, you know, to tell my own stories. Um, but I think most people are sensitive that, oh, if the work doesn't succeed, that it's actually their fault, which makes us harsh to ourselves, you know? Yeah, definitely so true. Definitely. And something I would just want to share with the two of you and have you comment is when we think about a, a child and a child gets told, you're no good at that, you can't do that, then that really has a major impact on the rest of that person's life until they become an adult. And as an adult, it sounds like what you're saying is we accept the fact that at not everyone's yeah. going to see things the way that we see things. And right. we're not held back by that necessarily, but when we're younger, I think we definitely are. What are your thoughts? Are, are you asking all of us? Yeah, yeah I'm asking. Yes, Sarah. Let's oh, go with oh. you. Yeah. <laughs> I was go waiting ahead, for ahead. a response. Uh, I think that, I mean, it's very true. I mean, I think as you're growing up, those kind of things, if you're being creative and somebody's putting you down on your creativity, it's really hard to keep going with it. And so you have to find it within yourself that you know that that ability or that thing is just flowing out of you regardless of what people say. And it doesn't matter because it's just a creative flow that's coming out of you and you're not, you're, really don't do it for anybody you do it 
to fulfill yourself in, and you're not going to fulfill others. You're not looking for recognition or to be loved by others in your creativity. You're doing it because it's your creativity and it's coming out of you. And it's, you're not looking for acceptance. And then if you get the acceptance, that's kind of like a bonus. But as a child, when you're growing up, I think it's really difficult to keep going because you don't understand that. You, you, you don't feel that. But as you're older, you, you, you understand, hey, you know, it's, it's just part of what I'm doing. If you like it, you do. You don't. You know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's yeah. hard I think it's very difficult as a child, very discouraging. Agree. What are your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I think sometimes I see people like treating their kids and the kid doesn't do, you know, trying to play, you know, soccer or try to do something and they tell them, oh, you're a loser. You know, I think, you know, this... You know, these labels or, you know, the how we label others, especially kids or even adults, you know, you know, takes a toll on us over the long term, over the long term. And I think if we keep hearing uh, something over and over again, we might think that we are, we're labeling ourselves in a certain way. Um, what, for example, when I try to, and I'm, I'm very careful, you know, when I share, for example, first drafts of, of some work, um, I share them with people who are not very critical. You know, I share them with critical people, people, but I share them with people who are not very critical because when I'm sharing the first draft of something, I want some encouragement. I don't want to feel, you know, that the work that I'm doing is bad because that will not let me continue doing the work. So um, I think, you know, we have to maybe choose people who are actually supportive of our work of what we do and also you know give us good insight not kind of shun us down and put us down and say hey i think your work is awful i don't like it (laughs) i mean it's just like you know even you know i you know i'm i'm teaching in in college here in the university and sometimes i see teachers are really really harsh with their students and you know if the student tries to do something or you know, does something wrong, they destroy them. They really destroy them. And I don't think that supports or helps creativity. On the contrary, that destroys the person. And they will not, in you know, before they try to do anything new, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm really bad at this. Yeah, I'm sense. so glad that you shared that because uh, we have another team member here on this platform, Diane Floyd Bame, and she was a teacher. And she shared about how someone told her she couldn't do this and she couldn't do that when she was growing up. And mm-hmm. now she she made sure when she was teaching that never to do that because a teacher has so much influence and you really can break someone's stride and, and their confidence level. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm wondering how... Do you fit all of this in, the, the, all the things that you're doing, and you do them all at, at such a high level? How do you manage your time? <laughs> I don't think, I think the time management is uh, uh, overrated. Uh, you know, there's, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you, you have to lose the balance in the, you know, in personal life to some extent to kind of push yourself to do things that you, you know to that you think you know have value and 
uh, personally, I don't believe in, in 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 the word maybe you know success because it's overused. Uh, I believe more in the in the process rather than the outcome, uh, and I think this kills a lot of creative people that oh, they're always thinking about getting noticed. They're always thinking about success. They're not thinking about the outcome or or the process or the progress. And I think this, um, you know, I talk to people who are filmmakers and they say, oh, we want to go to film festivals or we want to go. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He was like, let's go into film festivals. And I, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll support you, but that's not the right approach. You shouldn't think about going to the film festivals. You should think about telling a good story. Why do you want success? You know, people have become especially with social media and things like that, they've become obsessed with fame and success that they don't know, they don't know actually what this word means. And, you know, for example, speaking about time management, if I write, if I'm, you know, writing for five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, I consider that a win. I consider that a step forward or two steps forward. If I'm writing uh, half an hour, I take it. It's not, it's not a marathon. It's, you know, it's not, it's basically a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so I take you know small steps towards something. For example, if you're writing, if you if you aim to write a book, if you write two pages a day, um, you know take out the weekends. For example, you might have uh, you know uh, I don't know maybe six hundred, seven hundred pages a year. Um, and if you write two pages a day, forget about the perfection. You know the perfection. Maybe they're not perfect. But you will have maybe 500, 600 pages if you're able to write uh, two pages a day. Most people underestimate that. But if you, you know, if you take small steps or small wins, maybe um, by, you know, in six months or one year, maybe you'll have a book or you'll have a movie. Um, one project we've been working on is a 2D, 3D animated movie, which is going to be released in the next couple of months. We've been working on it for three years. And it's like, you know, baby steps, small steps towards this like you know uh project that it's never ending but every day we you know put small steps towards it so um i don't know about time management it's you know if there's balance or not but yeah if we can take small steps maybe we can move forward towards our goals um that's that's do. fascinating that you're doing uh animation as well um can you tell us some stuff about the animation? Yeah. It's, it's um, so, yeah, basically, um, during the pandemic, I was kind of, uh, as, you know, we were in lockdown and everybody was depressed. You know, we were just ordering food to the house. We were not, you know, going out. <laughs> we were just like, when is this going to, when this is this going to end? So we did a film called uh, COVID Dreams. We shot it on Zoom and we shot it in four countries. We got actors and so on uh you know about the future you know if we could see the future two years from now uh if we want this pandemic to end what would we wish for and maybe this kind of ties into the theme of you know of this episode as well what would we dream what would we would we wish for and then you know we made the film and so on i was like okay then what we're gonna be in the house for like one year right or maybe more <laughs> um so i started like thinking about Okay, so there's no physical production. We're not going to be on set anytime soon. The production studios are shut down. There's no funding. There's nothing. So what are we going to do? So, you know, we had a grant from a university where I'm teaching here. Um, you know, they sent proposals for people to submit for research projects. And 
I submitted a grant for um, for you know to do an animation film based on a book that I've written about four or five years ago called The Twenty Eight Mountains of the Moon, and I was like, you know what, I'll try it. Maybe I'll get maybe I'll, maybe they like it, and they actually liked it, liked it, and they gave us some money to do the film, and that's where we're at. We're you know we've been working on it for almost two three years now. Uh, I did the adaptation of the book, wrote the script. You know we're working with people international. Uh, actors, you know, musicians and so on, people from all over the world. We have an animation company in the U.S. who are actually doing the kind of managing the animation for us. So uh, it's actually started from the pandemic, from the from a dark, you know, uh, from a yeah. dark era, which <laughs> I thought there's not going to be anything good that comes out of it. But, you know, you never know. So, yes, yeah. very good. Very good. <laughs> a lot of good comes out. You know, it's it's funny when there's so much dark. There's got to yeah. be so much light that comes out. Exactly. That, that's yeah. an example. That's that's very good. That's very true. Absolutely. Yeah, I started this platform during the pandemic. So, yeah, I oh, started wow. my acting career that's again amazing. during the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're like, shifting wow. careers. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was amazing. reading on your Instagram that uh, you're a runner and you're 98% vegan. What does this mean? 98%? What, what's the <laughs> other 2%? <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I wanted actually like a couple of years ago, I wanted to experiment with, I read this book called by um, an ultra fit runner. His name is Rich Roll. Uh, he's American and he was talking about, you know, performance and so on. And I was like, I want to try to, you know, the power power based diet. And and I, the hardest thing for me was to not to have milk because I drink coffee. You know, I didn't want to have milk, so I started with um, eliminating milk, and then I eliminated eliminated chicken and then beef and so on. But I kept a couple of things that are like, you know, maybe fish and you know things like that. But um, I wanted to, you know, take out like five percent. Uh, you know, that are basically not 100% uh, vegan, but, um, you know, using the power-based power diet to basically support, you know, my performance when I'm running. But uh, I left out some of the things. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, right? <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I do it 100%, it's going to be hard. So let me do it 95, 98%. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, well, I'd like to have a big pizza. I like to have some. I didn't know what you were going to say. So. <laughs> Why do we always get on the topic of food? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess because I do, I do intermittent fasting and I'm, I'm not eating until 1 o'clock today. So I'm like, oh. oh but, it's on um, your mind. Yeah, it's on my mind. So a question I have, when you're out running, do you come up with some of your creative genius ideas um no <laughs> it's more or less you know uh, being uh, it's more or less kind of uh, uh vent, not venting out but it's more as if you're running in a in a void in a vacuum and there's nothing and there's no process happening there uh, sometimes there might be some ideas but most of the time it's just I, I see it as a form of meditation, actually. It's mm, yeah. uh, it's just allowing yourself to be in that void, to be in that space and not think about, not not even, you know, n just basically, you know, going into that void. And it, it um, I think about it also as being, you know, kind of stepping into, there's an Arabic word called al-barzakh, which is 
the place that's in between and maybe that will sound a little bit dark but it's you know we believe that uh, our souls our spirits go into the a place called barzakh which is a kind of a, a place that you that you know you transition into after you die and i th- kind of think about it that way that it's actually neither positive neither negative it's just a void it's something that you allow yourself to be in just because you don't want to do anything else does that make sense <laughs> yeah yeah it does yeah it does, yeah, it, does. It, does. it does sure um and you're giving yeah. your mind a break exactly yeah. and it's yeah it's, yeah, it's a form of meditation being asleep exactly uh it's yeah it's a form of meditation and maybe because when you're writing or telling stories you 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 burn a lot of burn brain cells and you burn a lot of like you know the brain power you know that explains writing. it oh my <laughs> god I've been writing stories like, all my life forgot no brain cells left it's <laughs> crazy it's like you write two pages and you're like oh my god i can't it's too much it's like interesting yeah you have to rebuild them it's a way of strengthening your 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 abilities i guess yeah yeah exactly that makes sense you spoke a little bit earlier about success and success looks different for each and every one of us right some people it's about money some people it's about helping others i mean we could go on and on so you've won awards does that mean success to you? What does that look like for you in terms of, yeah, I, I actually really accomplished something. I feel really good about this. Uh, actually, yeah. Every time I get, you know, um, for, yeah, getting an award is, is fine, but it's not the driving, the driving force. I think it allows me the opportunity to do more work, but that's not the kind of the motivating factor. Um, you know, when I, when I finish, you know, I get, you know, connected with the stories and projects, but a lot of the time when I feel that a project is finished or maybe it gets a certain recognition, I feel kind of depressed because I feel like, oh my God, what's next? What, what kind of experience am I going to go through? What kind of experience I'm going to, you know, what kind of story am I going to be working on next? And it always used to happen to me when we were like finishing like a film workshop or doing a film. I was like, oh, my God, now I'm going to come back to reality. So I think the the awards part is is kind of the, maybe the reality part. A lot of people want to go, you know, they want success because they want, you know, the glamour, the, the lights and so on. But then the fear is what if you go back what when what happens when you go back to your house or to your office or whatever and you don't have any story to to tell and i know people who a lot of people you know who went their films got nominated into the oscars and they went so many places and they were like got all the buzz and the lights and the fame and then they were like oh my god i can't come up with another idea and that's that's what's scary for me not not the fame you know but actually not being able to produce something um, and kind of taking that success or fame as, a, as an end goal rather than something that you achieved. It's yeah, always scary. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a think. great answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Jillian, what does success look like to you? <laughs> um, success? 
that's really hard. I mean, I don't, I don't really ever see success. I, I don't see my work as success. I just do it. And I don't ever think that it is success. And I think I just keep going because I do. And I don't, I don't ever think that I've ever gotten to a point of success, whether somebody might say, Oh, that's very successful. Or I don't ever see that. And I don't think I ever will. I don't, I don't, uh, that's just me. I don't really, I, and, and I, and I, and I think, I don't think of anybody. I think we're all kind of like equal. I don't see anybody really, really in terms of, huge success. Um, but if I, I mean, yeah, uh, making a mark and, 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 and being like, wow, you did that is, is very cool. But I just, I don't, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny, it's a funny word and it's a funny thing to, to really think that you've achieved success. I don't ever think I have, and I don't think that if somebody was to say, oh, you know, that person is a big success, I I would almost have to meet that person to, to feel that success comes from inside, not something that is outside or exterior. So yeah, like, it's very, yeah. it's very elusive. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a really, it's, yeah, it doesn't, for me, success, um, it's not a good word. No, <laughs> well, let's Never talk around. about that. I'm successful. Let's talk about curiosity. And to me, I think when you're curious and you want to continue to learn and meet new people and hear their stories, I feel like yeah. that's really important and that's really powerful. And as a filmmaker and as an author, you know, you're developing characters, you're working with people from all over the world, like you talked about four different countries. Yeah. That's a sense of curiosity as well, isn't yeah. it? When you're, yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's about, yeah, being cu- curious that, you know, that they are actually exploring or maybe trying to ask questions that, maybe the i don't want to say the average person but the normal person is not asking you know kind of making observations about you know uh uh you know certain things um you know um in the you know in basically uh the world or the environment around you um and it 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 takes it takes focus you know it takes um uh you know it it requires that you're curious that you're actually asking questions and kind of digging deeper into the subject matter um you know like life and death or you know what if this what if this person or this character did this what would happen uh you know like you speaking about the pigeons you know earlier on for example the main character of the story i asked myself what if this person who was a pigeon herder lost his home and it turns out there's a true story about the Syrian refugee who actually lost his home and ended up being in Germany, you know, stealing the birds from the train station. So it starts with asking questions, you know, being cur- curious and also not in the sense of trying to find an answer, 
because I think the job of a storyteller or filmmaker or an artist is not to provide answers, but to actually propose the questions uh, and, you know, and let the audience or the people kind of find the answers themselves. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, yeah, it, it reminds me, uh, I don't know if you, either if you ever watched The Sopranos, Mm -hmm. it, yeah yeah <laughs> well at the end there was just yeah. fade to black there was no information it's kind of like wow what what was going on there and then yeah. each person gets to interpret as they like right yeah i think that's yeah. that's exactly. that's the idea i mean if you i mean successful art is just left to the unknown like it's whatever exactly. you get out of it there's not supposed to be anything there yeah. it's supposed to be something that you take from it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, uh, coming back to the point of maybe, you know, the outcome or even success, a lot of people, or a lot of artists or people who want to write or tell stories, they want to find the answer before they, you know, before they even start working on the project. They don't allow themselves to dig deeper. They don't allow their, you know, um, you know, themselves to explore the story or ask questions, but they don't allow the characters to find their way, you know, into the driving into the fog or into the story. So I think, you know, even as a creator, trying to find answers is not, is not the right approach. You know, you know, let, let your characters, let your story take you there. Let your, the people, yes. you know, in the story, the characters, you know, uh, I, I used to write outlines, for example, uh, detailed outlines. But then when I started writing books, I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the characters, you know, surprise me and take me in the in the story and do things that are unexpected, you know, and, and let them do the things. I don't want to decide and determine for them where the story is going to go, you know, in chapter five or six. I want them to actually take, you know. Uh, take action and make wrong decisions and, and love and hate and live life and you know rather than me decide that for them and it's kind of creating an al alternative reality you know that you're living with these people maybe that's why at the end you know every book or story or film I feel like oh I know these people I've lived with them for a long time now and I don't want to let them go that makes sense and yeah really fast you know it's sort of if you think of it like this uh like referring going to jacqueline a uh, doctor uh jacqueline how how you see things it's like cooking a meal when you cook the meal you don't know how it's going to taste until it's ta you taste it and everybody tastes it and gets the results and everybody feels a different way because they all have different taste buds <laughs> yeah yeah good analogy <laughs> Uh, we've actually come to the end of our show and it's been a really fascinating discussion. So I, I'm really hoping you'll come back and, and speak with us again. I'm going to spotlight you. If you could share how people can get in touch with you, that would be fabulous. Yeah, yeah you can. Um, people can find me on uh, Instagram at uh, um, I also have a blog called, uh, it launched it, you know, uh, maybe two weeks ago called the Waitlist blog. Uh, talking about, you know, feeling, um, living life in simple ways and feeling weightless. And um, also, you know, um, you can find um, updating my website, matasetchmatter.com. So you'll find more information about that, you know, uh, if you go to the website in the next week or so. 
um, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed yeah, meeting you. you. And please thank come you. back Same and here. see us. On, we've got uh, a film and music show that you'd be a great guest for as well. Yeah. Will do. Yeah, All right. for sure. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> thank you, thank thanks, you so man. much and great to meet you. Thank you. Yeah, nice, nice to meet you. Have a good day. Thanks, too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was really a great show. Yeah, fantastic. Well, there's going to be some more interesting guests, uh, hopefully, <laughs> um, because we're going to be sort of spotlighting maybe the film festival in Toronto is coming up, and I might be able to get some interesting uh, people on to talk, uh, actors, filmmakers. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see if they show up. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, Sarah Jillian, can you please let people know how to reach out to you and who you'd like to contact you? Oh, sure. Uh, well, I'm on Facebook. Um, at this point, you can follow me there at Sarah Jillian. Uh, I'm on Instagram at that Sarah one, two, three, four. Um, I'm always posting photographs. I have a tendency to do it all day long. And um, I'm on TikTok at Sarah Jillian 71 and Twitter at Sarah Jillian 71. And I actually have a, um, a channel on YouTube that is Sarah Jillian. And I'm on LinkedIn at Sarah Jillian. I'm there. Um, and so I think I've, oh, and I'm on Pinterest. Um, I just sort of started that. So I'm there and I post some photographs there every once in a while. And um, that's about it. That's I good. Think. That's excellent. <laughs> and also quickly before we close out, you can also find Sarah Jillian on Sundays with me oh, on our new show, Get Off Your Couch Workout. And that oh. is at 3 p.m. Eastern time, which is 8 p.m. British summer time, 9 p.m. Central European time. Yeah, I all forgot right. all about that. <laughs> I'm so we sorry. Are, but yeah, that's yeah. a lot of fun. You have to check that out. Definitely, Definitely join us for the workout. So it's yeah, very absolutely. good. All right. Our next show is coming up. It's the United Kingdom News and Culture, and we'll be joined by our expert correspondents from London, uh, Helena Shard and Ian Palm Turner. They are experts on the royal family. So wow. do join us for that. Thanks again. All right. We'll be back See shortly. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>